out of tuners. I'm Erin. I'm Victoria. I'm Hibeka. And this is Out of Tune. We are back after our one week hiatus, taking a break, but we had some serious researching to do, all three of us individually, for this wonderful series that also happens to be a research project for our history class, but I feel very lucky and fortunate and excited that we get to do it on the podcast. Yeah. Um, I don't think I've ever done a project in any of my schooling years in the form of a podcast. Hmm. So this is really exciting. So all I guess just to preface before I start, we are going to be focusing on different aspects, I guess, of the symphony, very broad symphony, but focusing each of us very much on different um, topics that are related to the symphony. Um, And yeah, so for this week, it's me. It's me, Victoria, going first. (laughs) Um, And I decided to focus on why slash how are women erased from the canon? And I feel like this is something that, like, it's it's sort of one of the main topics that our podcast focuses on is, like, the role that women have played in the classical music canon. And what we always try to do is focus on the women, musicians and composers, and bring awareness to them. And then we always sort of, like, beat around the bush of, like, why have we never heard of her? Why is her music not played anymore? It's so amazing. But we've never done like a deep dive or I've never attempted to even try and be like, Oh, why is, why is, how is this a thing? Like, why is it like this? Although we've asked that question many times throughout a lot of our episodes on here. So that was mainly my inspiration (laughs) of, of doing this topic. And I, I feel like this also is something that we can really easily relate to since we are all women that are involved in classical music and you know we I think have um we know the canon very well even though we don't we're not really particularly fans this is a very uh pro abolishing the canon podcast so um yes so before I start (laughs) I want to do um what's the word um preface or, or disclaimer that the research I've done has definitely not cracked the code of why this is the reason um, of why women are erased or the erasure of women. But I've just looked at a bunch of different um, societal stereotypes throughout history. um, And I feel like using our platform is also a great way to try and um, uh, help not to perpetuate this, like the erasure of women um by sharing it with our listeners but also by us having a discussion together about whether we think that some of the things i i found are still true today um or whether we think that it's changed so i feel very much like if you have a thought at all during anything please just cut me off that's fine and we can talk about it because i'm very curious to see if the thoughts that i have are similar to the thoughts that you guys are going to have um 
and yeah, I just want to know. I want to know if we relate to the history of female treatment in classical music or if we feel that it's changed. Um, okay. Are we excited? <laughs> I'm a little nervous. I apologize in advance if I get lost. I have four, five pages of notes. Um, so bear with me just for a little bit. Okay. So the first realm of thought ideas that I focused on was the role of tradition and education. And I guess specifically the educational tradition related to musicians and composers and then or and the the different experience that male musician and composers had compared to women um as well as the university educational tradition that we've experienced in the classroom um and they both sort of go hand in hand so to begin with one of the common themes that i kept reading or coming across in some of the articles and i read a few uh two um, that I, especially that was, it was very present in their writing was Susan McClary, who we've actually, we've read in class, and then also Marcia Citron. And it was the acknowledgement of a sense of isolation from any kind of lineage or tradition that affects women artists. Um, and historically, many women find themselves without a female role model or a tradition to which they feel that they belong. Mm -hmm. And which is very much compared to like men who are surrounded by other men who are working on music by other men, analyzing music by other men, performing music by other men, etc. We get the idea. And because of this, women experience insecurity and also anxiety of where their role stands in classical music. Um, and Marsha Citron writes about this insecurity and anxiety in her book, Gender and the Musical Canon, which was basically a gold mine for a lot of my research. Like I kept going back to that. And I just want to read a quote that she does. So she writes, many female composers of art music have expressed an anxiety of authorship. The anxiety often translates into ambivalence, contradictory statements or actions about one's relationship to the creative process. The ambivalence usually indicates a lack of confidence. And she then says, and reading this made me think that the ice, oh, this is me actually. <laughs> and reading this made me think about the isolation that women musicians and in this, and specifically composers, I guess in this case, the isolation that they experience leads to the creative anxiety. And then also kind of makes me think if women were given a firmer place in the past, more women could claim a place in the present. Does that make sense? Yeah. Um, so I feel like women have constantly faced the challenge in connecting themselves to past traditions. And the main factor in improving that connection is with a major chain, change in the musical canon or in our opinion, abolishing it altogether. However, it kind of becomes a, a cycle of never ending like, oh, okay, well, if this changed, then this could change, but nothing has changed. Right. Um, so this is my... very, yeah, this is very interesting. I think I never actually um, stopped to think about the anxieties of this um, world of and how this anxiety uh, actually influences my decisions or my lack of, lack mm -hmm. of courage. Mm -hmm. so really interesting. And what you said about um, women not finding um, 
inspiration or examples or references in the past i think it's it's totally true and still very very true for me I, nowadays. I think it's very true for yeah for right now as well yeah yeah and i think it's some it's not it's not a new thing and mm. for example and i was thinking that it also plays a lot with uh society expectances so oh, for example like the expectation expectations yes yeah, society expectations for so for example um if you say that there was a certain time that women was were expected to stay home and just have kids and be a housewife then if you were an actual housewife mm -hmm. that would not be like something hard or i mean i, I mean hard to or under, understand or you wouldn't feel lack of courage or you wouldn't feel um doing something extraordinary mm -hmm. because that was what everybody was expecting right then breaking that rule or or just outstanding in actually any point or any aspect of life definitely could bring anxiety and I, we've seen in um, some past episodes how this uh anxiety and lack of confidence worked in so many different ways in, in the composer's life yeah so, totally it's interesting different. you immediately were connecting the societal expectations because it's also a separate category that I even focused on a little bit and all the way throughout all of this research it all is very connected like one thing is led to another or one thing is connected to another it's like a cause and effect because of this this is how it is and I feel it's just interesting that you immediately connected that I also I, I like what you're talking about too because there we're discovering there were female composers like all the time yeah <laughs> it's so funny yeah it's really funny <laughs> but like they're just not taught in school and the reasoning is because they're not like yeah i guess the reasoning is that they're not important enough which is which is somehow because that our classical music society has established that men are better and because men were the people to establish it it's just yeah <laughs> yeah it's frustrating isn't it <laughs> yeah. um but what you said actually is like a good segue into what i was going to talk about next because i agree i feel like like speaking of the canon it severely affects educational tradition in the in the university classroom and the problem with accepting women in classical music is intensified by the canon of works that we study in like undergraduate analysis classes and to no surprise um, women composers are usually excluded and that leads to the perception that works by women are inferior and not worthy of discussion which is literally what you just said Erin um, and then the role that should, oh, also, this is something that Marcia Citron writes a lot about. The role that um, women are traditionally assigned has been that it's the artist that only plays or composes for pleasure. Like, it's not something serious. It's just something that they do for fun or on the side or for leisure. Um, and I am bringing, I'm going to bring up another quote by Marcia Citron where she talks about trying to fix this problem in the canon is not that simple. So... She writes, which past does the female creator relate to? 
some neutral or universal past, or a female past. Perhaps she might want to relate to more than one tradition, but if one of them is a female tradition, that problem is, is that there really is no fully formed female tradition to relate to. Music by women is performed occasionally, but still has not acquired the status of a meaningful tradition. As statements by many women composers suggest, relating to a neutral past can mean marginalization and subordination to the ideologies of dominant culture, which is male culture. This may be especially true given that women are, so are socialized in dominant culture. In fact, there is no such thing as a neutral universal past. Every past represents a later reconstruction that selects what it wishes to emphasize. And I found this passage to be exceptionally powerful, but also very frustrating because she's saying that like female musicians are just in a vicious cycle. The role of women in classical music cannot change without the change of tradition. But if the tradition were to change, women would have nothing to relate to because a female tradition doesn't exist. But then to establish the female, you know what I mean? It just goes back and forth, back and forth. It's like talking to a brick wall. Um, and it's very aggravating. But what she's saying is so true. But at the same time, I also feel like it has to happen in the present. Like the change has to happen in the present. Like we can't keep on looking back to the his, um, back to, to history. And it brings up a quote um, that Mariana, our professor, said in class of that the canon is just pretending to be alive but like it's it's dead you know what i mean yeah. so what are your thoughts because i kept going back and forth of like wow yes this is so true but at the same time it feels like this is her and it maybe i'm reading it in a different tone or different um i don't know idea but to me it feels like it's an acceptance acceptance of that we're just in this vicious cycle, which I feel like maybe we could be getting out of it. I'm not sure. I get what you're saying. It cut. Well, I, pro I probably sound very confusing. <laughs> no, no. While you were talking, I was like, well, maybe we should just have like classes where it's like the women's musical canon, like yeah, music throughout history, which like I think is a good idea too. But then you're like, well, what if? really we should just stop looking at the past and try to move more forward which also makes sense and reminded me of like what Tansy Davies was talking about mm. in her episode because we had mentioned like the musical canon and she was like well let's just keep moving forward and I try agree. not about our mistakes in the past which yeah I understand I think it but I also think it's it would be cool to just look at a women's music history. Like, what is it with no men? I what love that music history when there aren't any men in there. I agree. So this is very interesting that you're bringing this up now because I talk about it later. And... Oh, okay. <laughs> but no, it's just, I love that you guys are already bringing up not even knowing what I'm going to talk about later. So this mm -hmm. is great. <laughs> um... Yeah, um, for me, I think... I was I was thinking I had a lot of thoughts when you were uh, talking about the tradition and it's the cycle of okay so let's break uh, this by going back to the tradition but then women don't have tradition I was wondering if like like Erin said maybe uh, looking back to the tradition for certain aspects is not mm. gonna be 
the solution. Of course, we have to start from at from some point and mm-hmm. that would be the tradition. I would say I I don't I mean like for example composing or um techniques or mm-hmm. um yes, but more of like schools of thought rather than like like the concepts yeah. rather yeah, yeah, I agree. Yeah. And I think it's a vicious cycle it has been because we don't there is not an external help for us to to bring out uh for us to get out of the cycle mm-hmm. and i i hope that we like our generation or actually all the generations i think this is something that it's not gonna just end with time mm-hmm. i believe that is something that we have to keep fighting and over and over like yeah history of fights and rights it was always it has always improved so i believe that yeah it's like everyone's duty to keep trying to get out of this vicious cycle i agree that was beautifully said actually (laughs) well this kind of goes into my next section now because (laughs) copying my my ear my tucking my hair behind my ear um my next section is about challenging the canon and academia slash or or not challenging the canon um which related to feminist thought specifically in academia and to no surprise it took a while for feminist thought to be incorporated but it first was incorporated in musicology so what I did was I basically went on JSTOR, thank you, UMass, and was just trying to find any information about um, the types of textbooks or types of readings or any kind of like change in, in teaching, um, specifically in musicology. And I actually found um, a journal article literally titled the inclusion of women composers in college music history textbooks. I mean, literally, thank you, JSTOR. Um, could not have found a better journal article. And it's uh, written by Vicki D. Baker from Texas Tech University. And I started doing like a huge deep dive into this article and then realized like we're going to be here for ages. So I didn't. I just was like, okay, I'm just going to find some like statistical things or just like main main points Um, But it's very interesting. If you guys are interested, go check it out. Um, But I will. Okay, so I'm going to share some things that I discovered. And I found kind of astonishing, but also, again, not as surprising, was that the exclusion of women composers from textbooks can be traced back to the 19th century due to societal roles assumed by women. Hebecca, this is what you were talking about earlier. And um, it was also socially unacceptable to be a woman artist. And Baker also writes about how the negative attitude toward women composers was reflected um, in a book that was like, I think popular at the time um, called uh, by George Upton, which was called, literally called, titled Women in Music that was written in 1880. But in the book, he said that women were incapable of being musically creative. This dude literally wrote a book titled it Women in Music and then said that, the audacity, whatever. Um, However, 
reading this in context, but and also thinking about the types of literature and the rhetoric, it helped me understand the discrimination that women musicians suffered. I mean, it's been forever, but it's just, I don't know. I've never seen, I guess we've talked about it, but to have that like in a textbook that was about like the history of women in music, just, just yes. whatever, very weird. Um, however, it took a hundred years. So that was written in 1880. And then beginning in the 1980s, scholarly anthologies concerning biographical accounts of women composers and women women's musical careers began to appear in print. So it took a hundred years, um, therefore developing sort of the, the uh, historical isolation of, of women in creative traditions of what we were talking about before. Um, and then in the early nineties, there were publications that were a turning point, specifically Susan McClary's Feminine Endings, uh, uh, Music, Gender and Sexuality, Ruth Soley's Musicology and Difference, Marsha Citron's Gender in the Musical Canon, which is what I used a lot in this, in my research. Um, and then Philip Brett, Elizabeth Wood, and Gary C. Thomas's Queering the Pitch, which we read, we actually read um, an article written by Susan McClary from that book in Mariana's class. I don't know if you guys remember. Yeah. Um, but these publications marked the beginning attempts to question the roles of gender, sexuality, as well as minority identities in the structure of the musical canon and the place of women's music and women in music. And I feel like from when I think about sort of the texts um, that I've used in like music history or in my classes, it's been pretty um, male dominated of like the authors. And then when I got to grad school was when I was really reading other things that were not written by men, but it was written by women. And I really feel like that has to do with Mariana because two of my classes here were with her. Um, but pretty much all of the classes in my undergrad were all, I mean, I was looking back at like um, history of Western music and you know, they're all written by men. Um, so, and I also, it, that made me think because I tried looking up, but was not able to find a textbook about the Western canon specifically written exclusively by a woman. And I feel like that would be game changing. Like to have a textbook of like, from a women's perspective or point of view about the history of Western music would completely provide a potentially different account than those currently used now like that we've used because when you look at those anthologies I mean yes there are some things by women but it's pretty much male male dominated music for sure like the examples that we see the listening ID um like listening ID questions that I had in like my survey of music I have the old podcasts from um not podcasts playlists from um, my undergrad and I went through all of them and I think the only female composers I found were Hildegard von Bingen and Clara Schumann yeah. and Amy Beach those are the only three and I yeah. feel like that's not good <laughs> um, so we're kind of like conditioned from the beginning of like our musical history training and instilled in the like we're taught the western canon um, but yeah now music theory is a different idea they've pretty they've struggled a bit to incorporate women and i 
will completely be honest, my research, I could not find any, I, I didn't find like a similar article that I found for musicology and music college textbooks that include women composers. I could not find the equivalent for music theory. Um, so my research, quote unquote research for this is all anecdotal research because I actually have my old uh, undergrad music theory textbooks and I have the um, introduction to Jankarian analysis textbook that I used last year. And you know how in the back of the textbooks, there's like the index of composers and pieces that they use? Every single textbook, no women composer. They're all men. No. All men. That's and so come on <laughs> like isn't that terrible but at the, like what i take from this is that music theorists music theory as 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 a what do you call that field um has a long way to go because the representation of women composers remains insignificant so small um and i feel that that is supporting the erasure of women from the canon um and keeps them as a marginalized section of music yeah i've um, seen websites so like i don't know specific what they are but music theory examples written by women or music theory examples written by african-american composers like, i've seen stuff like that but it's all yeah the resources are out there but i feel like people go out of it's I, I'm going to use, I guess, like a non-academic word, but like the woke people, you know what I mean? Who understand that this is an issue are going out of their way to like create these resources. Right. It's the people like Mariana. She's listening, of course. Hi, Mariana. <laughs> people like Mariana and, you know, our other teachers. Uh, yeah. A lot of our women teachers are very, or at least like my teacher, Molly Gabrion, she would always, I'm sure pull from those resources when she was teaching theory but I think it takes that special kind of person these days to go search for it yeah and I also was again frustrated because when I was looking through the indexes I think I was expecting to find at least one mm -hmm. woman or, or or something okay. um Hildegard or, or Claire Clara Schumann I mean like she's kind of an exception like she's very like we we she's did a lot she's included in, in the canon and she still wasn't in it. <laughs> so, come on. <laughs> uh, so musicology's doing at this point, I mean, they all fields still have a long way to go, but musicology is like years ahead of music theory mm -hmm. in in the in the part of at least the published text that we're using in the classroom. Yeah. Um I have a question about that because um I, I feel that the situation you experience with music theory uh, women like uh, authors mm -hmm. in your university is not the same experience that I had in mind because I had a few textbooks of my professor and she was she wrote her textbooks that she was using in our class so I was wondering if each university he is here in the U.S. has a different textbook or is is it something that is uh like normalized for any field which one did you use, Victoria? I had the, it's actually one that the professors wrote from Penn State, so uh, it's not. Not it's, the Norton Western Anthology? I mean, for musicology, for music history, yeah, Norton, Norton Anthologies, I feel like everyone yeah. uses those. I even used that here. Yeah. That had 
female examples or female composers, musicians, whatever had, but it was the music theory textbooks, like our Shankarian analysis, Habeka, that we used last year. The index is nothing. And then also was making me think, because you were saying that your professor was a female. Yeah. None of my professors in music theory have ever been a female. Wow. So I feel like, I mean, it's not not the university's fault that like all the professors are male but like I feel like that definitely that's actually a really interesting conversation I wonder if that I don't know how to I don't know how to answer your question because I feel like it really has to deal or to it must matter on who the professor is of who of what text that they select or what school of music, like what they use. Oh my gosh, do you have yours, Erin? Theory and analysis. No, I didn't use that. What's the publisher? Guide. Um, Jane Piper Clendening. Oh wait, and Elizabeth West Marvin. Okay, so it's two ladies. Two ladies, love that. Wait, look in the index and see if there's any women composers. Wow, there's some... uh, And I also think, like, I understand that, like, there has, there's definitely, like, stereotypical theory examples to, like, look at, like, sonata form or a half cadence or, like, let's look at this, like, chord progression here in this Mozart string quartet. Do you know what I mean? And I, I understand that that is tradition, but you could pick anyone and not, doesn't have to be, like, a female, it could be Joseph Ballone, who is, I mean, always compared to Mozart and their styles are very similar. You know, I just, ugh. Yeah, well, uh, when you were talking about that, it brought me on a lot of, again, a lot of thoughts, but one that I, one that uh, I go back to my previous answer in the, in the other question was that I feel that it is a, it is very hard to get out of this canon, of course, Absolutely, we know. Yeah. but there is also a few things that I feel that we don't even realize that we do that doesn't help us to get out of this. And I, I think that these things should be talked more among the professionals that are out there or even among us like we are doing right now, for example, um if we believe that if i believe that the difference starts with my own doing and i have a student why don't i use female composers with the pieces for my students literally yes this is what i'm trying to say like this is what i because it is making me question the cycle of academia because like it's just like ridiculous honestly and not only like me with my private students or this is a very like smaller um aspect but also for example it brings me um the episode that we had with your mom victoria Mm -hmm. and how she actually includes a lot of non-canon composers which is really nice so i feel that when we have more and more professors and people that influences this the small ones the kids that are growing that doesn't know what is normal and what is not normal and before they have this idea of what is normalized 
they already they already have their vision changed i think that's when we start to change i totally agree 100%. so i i with this i wanted to say oh, oh yes of course it's, it's most of what we are living right now is consequence of past generations and other people's choices but we also have a lot of power of choice and mm -hmm. that's what we can if that's what we can do let's do it you know yeah yeah agreed wait aaron did you find any only pop artists like somehow there was a taylor oh. swift uh, example wow like that. that's kind of cool i didn't have taylor swift in my music i don't know we never got that far so <laughs> but of classical composers no women that you saw well okay fanny mendelssohn oh yeah okay i mean that's good one we got one yeah I also i forgot to mention um there's a never-ending cycle or maybe a never-ending system of analyzing and researching music in the canon in order to get published in academia as well mm. which mm. i feel like goes has us go back to what i was saying before about the idea that or um, the idea of women's music being inferior or not being able to be discussed because yeah. the only things that get published like in these academic journals it seems like that are I mean, how many papers have there been about like Bach, Mozart, Beethoven, all of it's endless. You go on JSTOR and you just type in Beethoven thousands of, I'm sure thousands of things would come up or, but if you were to type in Amy Beach or um, Florence Price or any, any female, it would not be the same, hmm. which I also find very frustrating. And I feel that we also experienced that in our daily classes and coachings for example mm -hmm. if it was a canon composer yeah, we have the coaching, the coaching probably would last a long time and there was there would be a long and very specific discussion that's about a great point yeah or anything but if it is and it's something that i can tell because i have experienced in the past years um if it's a female composer then oh yes this is great next movement it and yeah they, and we don't have that much i don't i don't want to say um work from the part of the professor or the coach but it feels that uh since it's female it's not it's simpler so we don't have to dig so deep yes. and i also um the I've gotten the response many times throughout college and, and grad school of, oh, I don't know that piece. Yeah. Well, isn't that the point? <laughs> like, why? That's not a bad thing. That's to me, I'm like, great. Like, that's more the reason to, to do it. And to, ex I hate to use the word exposure, but to, yeah, to like kind of expose listeners and other audience or, or people to this composer well, for normalization. Like, that's the whole point. When uh, we were thinking, it might have about this quartet about playing like another piece by another woman. I remember Catherine, and like I think she had all the best intentions while saying this because I know she's very like obviously pro women, but yeah, of course. She was like, "Well, what if we learn something that you might have to teach later in life?" So I. But uh, why is there not? I yes, I know. I know. but it's like why can't I? But I could teach this in the future too. Yeah, but it's like a double-edged 
Well, not it a is. double-edged sword, but like, I just like to play devil's advocate I know, too much. I know. <laughs> It, it reminds us that it's a systematic issue that like it is. one day one of us gets hired by a university and we haven't learned like I don't know whatever whatever pick your choice of Beethoven quartet <laughs> you know and that so, you know yeah, you so yeah so what we have to do we just have to work double we have to learn all the canon and all the other repertoire and this way maybe we will be able to teach them teach our next students like pieces mm -hmm. that we want to choose and not only what we were taught because like i think it goes back to what i'm gonna go back to this point so many times because yeah, we that's can, fine yeah we cannot change what they the professors or the coaches or um and i'm not even gonna get into like what are their intentions or not but just the fact that we cannot change what pieces we are given to practice or right. most of the time we cannot even choose um we may we may change the future like generations of students maybe there needs to be like a blind pick this pick the piece to work on like don't even listen like <laughs> yeah like blind auditions but for which piece to play next and you know what's even harder though i feel like cuz it seems and i you what you said Habeka, where you're like well to ask to play this piece or or to whatever or that we would have to know or we have to do double work right we would have to do canon learning and then non-canon learning but then can you imagine like an undergrad student in an undergrad music theory class asking the professor can we not do this analysis example and asking, you know what I mean? Like, it's so much harder, I feel like, to, to break that barrier because, I don't know, I don't know where I was going with that question, but I feel like it's so different. Like, the performance field seems to be like it would be more attainable to, like, break the canon, whereas I feel like with music theory and musicology, it's all based off of published Already, yeah. Like, do you know what I mean? Yeah, well, I cannot... It's and I don't know my sure my for, yeah you know, my schema this. of yeah I cannot tell for sure for this field because I really don't have that much experience as in the performance field mm -hmm. but I totally understand what you're saying since there's not much uh already done by female uh, authors how come uh, how to bring that right and maybe yeah. like also because there, there's a curriculum established in like, yes the, yeah totally and also I guess this has to go with like the tradition of education though that see how like they everything goes hand in hand like it's yeah. all the same like th the education tradition is this and so we're not going to change it because this is how everyone else has learned music theory with this example of mozart string quartet or I, you know what i mean or like this schubert leader or like this schumann leader or whatever hmm. so this i wrote down this question and it's totally fine if you don't have an answer do you feel that music theorists and musicologists or the field of music theory and musicology has played a part in the erasure of women from the canon? Probably, yeah. I, I think mean, so too. Like you said, everything is connected. I I understand your question, but I I believe that it's not the musicologist fault or the theorist fault i don't think it's the fault either i just think it's been a factor 
I, but I would say that the factor was actually the institution yes. or the governmental institution that chose those curriculums. So it, it affects us, but it was not the, the mm. cause of the affection. I see what you're saying. Does it make sense? Yeah, it totally makes sense. I remember we talked um, in a few classes with Mariana, and I remember feeling very um, confused with why we're talking about this and who is who is who is them or all these like very broad questions. Yeah. And most of the time, we would go back to organizations, institutions, and yeah, so what they're what they are looking for is money and what gives profit so if putting a female female author in a curriculum doesn't bring profit why do that if putting so, a male author or a male composer gets you published yeah, yeah you're so that's so that's such a great point and i think but you know one thing that i didn't realize during our classes is that it always goes back to to that yeah, and I would, but I would always get surprised. Oh yes, it, uh, the institutions, the the money, they're yeah, and maybe well, for... that's why our music theory textbooks are that way, Aaron. Yeah, I believe so. You know, I believe <sighs> humans would do anything for money. So frustrating. <laughs> How well, did we get here? <laughs> at the end of the day, they're erasing women from the canon, and I hate them. Just kidding. <laughs> um i just had one more thought that i remember yeah. i wanted to share too about uh us being part of the change that we want to expect and that we are looking for mm -hmm. I, I feel that we also play a role in okay help me say this because i am not okay. sure how i'll be able to we can help my idea so when you give less importance to a really important uh cause so for example we don't have women's on our textbooks and then we say oh yeah this is so sad oh yeah let's what are we gonna have for lunch tomorrow so mm -hmm. we like um downplay it is it the word yeah absolutely so I feel that when we actually take these causes and say, no, this is actually serious and I won't take it anymore. And I, I won't, I won't um, react at if it was normal. I feel that we are already so used to, yes, of course, there's not women's. Yeah, that's, that's the normal. But if we keep acting as the normal, it also doesn't help. It totally so, perpetuates it. You're so, yeah. so I feel that uh, we can also have this mindset of changing our our nor our norms, our normals, <laughs> <laughs> or uh, how we expect things. So mm. from now on, if I say, "Oh yes, there is, there is th that woman composer was not chosen because she was a woman," oh yes, no, I would probably say no this is terrible and this is awful and not just downplay this matter or this mm -hmm. cause snaps beautifully said yeah i i think the the commitment and the reaction has to change as well from individuals 
within the within the institution as well yeah hopefully at the top of the institution (laughs) um but i don't i mean i don't know maybe that will change in the future yeah i mean even like between between us and our talks with students because i honestly don't think the institutions are gonna change you know no i think it's what i I, like a grassroots yeah (laughs) we get uh, marie to be like the owner of one of those institutions then it would be really different we'd be great (laughs) go on and write like a a different kind of textbook or it, it i think it's yeah it's going to be very individualistic right now like rachel barton pine is one of those people who will like she goes through the effort of putting together a book that only has like teaching pieces written by african-american yes. yeah like yeah so people are doing the things it's just it has to be incorporated by all of us mm-hmm. and we have to keep more people have to keep adding like Marie Soliver. Sorry, Marie, not to like. Well, it's fun. it's great that you mentioned Marie because I talk about her in my next section. Yeah, so those people, you know, she totally people. could. Shout out to Marie. Yeah, shout we out love Marie. <laughs> so the last section um, that I focused on, and we've actually talked about it throughout so far, are. The stereotypes and roles associated with women and how they've played a role i keep saying the word role but a, a, a factor in the perception of women as creative artists and there is a common belief that women are associated with the body and emotions while men are associated with mind and logic and i found a book actually that i was able to digitally check out from uh UMass or like the five college system that was written by Jill Halstead which was called the women composer and the gendered politics of musical composition which was very helpful for me to read a little bit more about um uh gendered beliefs and honestly can I just say the fact that women wouldn't be associated with the arts based off of the like stereotypical belief of like that they're associated with the body and emotions like doesn't make sense to me and I find it contradictory that men are do you understand what I'm saying like that men would be that are they're better musicians because they're associated with mind and logic but women are not because they're associated with the body and emotions I think it depends on how one. Looks. I feel like it probably depends on if you prefer pro- programmatic music versus absolute music. Yeah. But like music is music to me. To me, all music has some kind of emotion. Maybe, I don't know. I don't know what that makes me. <laughs> also, it depends. Like different composers think about it. Like Hindemith, yeah. I know, for example, thinks about music very mathematically. Yeah, that's very so, true. So, like, if that is the way one thinks about music, then sure. But I feel like. On an, on a, on some kind of like emotional uh, like level of like music and what how we view music to me, it's absurd. The whole like yeah. w- women are would be terrible. Whatever. Anyway, <laughs> I just I kept reading that and being like that's so opposite than what I really think. Um, I think it goes with the whole historical perception, like in the Bible. Totally. I don't. I'm well in the Bible. 
Tell me out if I'm wrong. I'm not a Bible like student I, at all, but I'm not a Bible I, expert. But I have heard that Eve was taken from. She was made out of one of Adam's bones. So, woman has always been seen as less than because of that. Oh. I could be wrong. I could be wrong. So, I not mean, trying to like rip off Christianity or anything, but that's what <laughs> I've heard at least, and it would make sense. I mean people have always seen women as less than or not yeah i mean i i can yeah i i totally agree with you erin i feel that people have uh well since we're talking about the bible but with other actually any kind of textbook if you just interpret it the way you want and use that to your own interest Mm. so yeah you can do you can say anything about anything because that's the way you're interpreting it so Mm. um well i'm not a bible expert but (laughs) what i know about what i have studied that's not true but um that's not true that women are less definitely not and interesting I was, yeah, I was going to add something, but I completely forgot. That's totally fine because, oh, sorry, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. ahead. Okay, my last thought on this, well, I, something, I was wondering if maybe I had read that in Zikolostar, because she talks about the Bible sometimes. I don't think I did, but it made me remember (laughs) that, like, in our Western society, it's very patriarchal like the man is the head of the family and i thought of it because in native american often it's matriarchal Mm. but western european society it's very patriarchal and the woman is the father's property until she's married at which point she is or at least back in the day she would become the husband new husband's property which is why women often change their last names Mm. So I think it just goes hand in hand with our culture, why women haven't been represented in so many ways, because they've been seen as property, not as people. Mm. Well, oh, yes, I remembered. I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. You're fine. fine. Yeah, I was I just remembered my comment about uh, why men are rational and women would be emotional and related to the body. I think those things are not related at all with ability of playing right so even even if you had uh the idea of yeah most women are emotional that's not true (laughs) nowadays we know that that those (laughs) things can be for women or for men and that's not it's a very old way of thinking very old gender belief yeah exactly yeah and And, oh sorry go ahead yeah and the ability of doing anything it's not related to the way the brain works because the each brain works differently so there are gonna be women that has the uh has the ability to play better than others women like inside the same yeah gender or whatever because it's how the brain works or not exactly <laughs> not gender music music well, so here so the reason i brought up this and basically like how i thought it was i mean stupid um for lack of a better term but jill the book i was talking about written by jill halstead she argues it 
And I'm just going to share another quote. I love sharing my quotes, you guys. Um, she writes, these ideas reinforce the common belief that men are, by nature, logical, profound, technical, and ambitious, whereas women are, by nature, intuitive, refined, and caring. Yet, even if such ideas prove to be true and based on unchangeable sex differences, the arts and music are depicted as areas of natural feminine interest, but they have been and still are staunchly male-dominated. By this reasoning, natural interest on the part of the women would seem to have no basis in natural ability unless it is directly related to their reproductive role. So I read this about 500 times, but what I mainly took from this is she's saying stereotypes suggest that women are naturally or biologically drawn to the arts. But the beliefs, the gender beliefs, the old thinking insinuates that they don't have the abilities to achieve success. That's so (laughs) Isn't that crazy? That's how I, that's how I, I can't tell you how many times I read this and I broke it down. I did sentence by sentence. Um, But my main point here is that these like invisible and by invisible, I mean like just these like these beliefs um stereotypes have had a long or a a lot uh a lasting impact Mm -hmm. on creating obstacles for women that men have never had to face yikes so mic drop just saying anyway (laughs) um it's so hard to be a woman nowadays it is you had to really work harder a lot harder than any other men yeah but I was going to compliment, uh, compliment, not compliment. What is the word? I'm sorry. I was going to add something to that. Um, I believe that this disease of male dominance is something that has reached all the aspects in any part of the world, in any part of the society, throughout time, since always, mm. physically. Yeah. And uh going back to Aaron's comment about the bible i do believe um not the bible but people without the right studies or, or the right understanding they took it uh to say women are less so mm-hmm. i and since like i i believe us is was or was founded in a christian i actually i don't know i cannot say that i know <laughs> or has like a lot of christian base and since mm-hmm. a long time uh the bible was printed in this way that women are less i believe that yes it had a huge impact and an influence in how society works not because the bible itself but because the way we the way not we but the, the way they interpreted it and yeah. used it mm-hmm their own favor and then it was easy because you would just say oh no but it's the bible and then Mm -hmm. how can you argue that but it was not yeah Yeah. it's true and then it it's just uh if you really think about it is we're talking about the same thing over and over and different different aspects with different lights but Uh, it's all the same disease yeah yeah it's kind of 
it's frustrating. I like can't help but laugh about it because it's we're going in a circle. Every time I was like researching on what I thought was going to be very different, like, oh my god, well, this will be something else. It's all the same. Um, but I'll move on a little bit. Um, so another complication is the assumption of certain genres of classical music, uh, classical music specifically, the symphony. We're finally talking about the symphony, yay. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Being an intellectual genre that outcasts women. And what really helped me understand this stereotype is reading Marie's thesis. I haven't read the whole thing, I should say. Part of Marie's thesis. I am going to read the whole thing, Marie, if you're listening, trust. Um, But I I had a lot of research (laughs) and a lot of other stuff to read. Um, But she kindly sent it to me. And she actually talks at length about um, this assumption about the intellect, that it's an intellectual genre. And she included a passage from Edward Hanslick, uh, you know, that dude, whatever, Um, (laughs) (laughs) the beautiful in music, where he attempts to prove, and I quote, in quotes, scientifically, the inability of women and savages to compose music. Um, And Marie, uh, emphasizes um or clarifies when he says music he means absolute music Mm -hmm. Um, and so Hanslick writes and Marie actually used this quote in her thesis which I am going to put it here as well um women who by nature are highly emotional beings have achieved nothing as composers the cause apart from the general reasons why women are less capable of mental achievements is the plastic element in musical compositions which like sculpture and architecture though in a different manner imposes on us the necessity of keeping ourselves free from all subjective feelings if the composing of music depended upon the intensity and vividness of our feelings the complete want of female composers as against the numerous authoresses and female painters would be difficult to account for It is not the feeling, but a specifically musical and technically trained aptitude that enables us to compose. So Marie explains that part of Hanslick's argument is based on like the bodily responses that he observes in women while they listen to music and like their head nodding and foot tapping links them in his thought to like the primitive, like the savages and the feminine, all of which he considers inferior and awful and disgusting um and like for me all of those reasons that he's saying are just stupid like um it's also completely based on like i think marie also says this like a pseudo-scientific opinion that is rooted in misogyny and sexism um Mm. and it's also intentional oppression that is rampant like this kind of thought which I don't, I hope is not as around, um, but this was a huge thing. Um, and I feel like that, this sentiment and this, again, I'm going to say intentional oppression um, had a part, I'm going to make a claim, had a part in erasing women from the musical canon. I'm sure. I mean, yeah. I mean, Hanslick was like huge. Like he was famous. Yeah. Um, a lot of people read his 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 works and his writings um and you don't i mean 
Yeah, he was, yeah, he was, I mean, I think he was not only famous, but he's still on the textbooks of mm-hmm. yeah. a lot of the philosophy that we learn nowadays. Yeah. So that is my closing claim of, of this section. Um, Look, I so- think, I think it's definitely, if I have any one reason of what has contributed to the erasure of women from the canon that's a reason (laughs) um i would say that and also going back sorry also just going back to the whole intellectual genre that i also think has has contributed to viewing the symphony as an intellectual genre or other even other genres of music or music even viewed as something of intellect rather than something of like pleasure or emotion that women would be incapable of doing I was going to say maybe I wouldn't say that I I don't agree with what Hanslick says because mm. that would put me in a position that there is a doubt. I would just say it is completely horrifying and disgusting what he yes. th- th- what he claims about women. Yeah, yeah. Totally I, ref- I refuse scientific. it. <laughs> totally not scientific or with any ba- like base or roots yeah. on. And it's and I believe that the roots that he uh, was based on when he wrote those things also were linked to the intention that he had by writing those things. So Mm. it was not the fact by itself or the science by itself. Yeah, I just think he was a misogynistic, sexist person. Yeah. Yeah. Well, what a great way to end my research. (laughs) Um, So I just, I think I wanted to just close up on some ideas that I came up with. And we've actually already talked about it um, throughout that could help prevent erasure of the canon that I feel that is happening now. I was, it's also really hard. I think we've we've been talking about, like, we have to be very... um, honest with ourselves and reflective of like what we could change pretty much very easily that could help um and i feel as though the classification of women composers instead of just composers segregates female artists as like a novelty or inferior while it is very and this is something that i go back and forth about yes it's very important that we are normalizing women composers but i feel like at some point our normalization could then just become all composers instead of composers and then woman composers. Right. You know what I mean? And I feel like that goes back to that article that Chris White wrote about full naming composers. I feel like it's kind of the same sentiment and idea. Um, Yes, I agree. I believe that is also uh, related to the way we react to those things. Mm -hmm. So instead of considering that, a different thing or uh, it is different but we when we accept that or we say out we put out there that is the difference mm-hmm. we are also accepting that that is not the normal yeah i totally but, agree yeah and i think i agree with you one of the changes that we would do would be not uh sectioning it yeah in the future or yeah, yeah. that's another question actually when would we start and that's and that's why i i i um clarified what i was saying because i 
right now, of course, we're, we have to say women composers because we're not at that normalization level where it's just any composer. Um, but it maybe, hopefully, I think, may, I would really hope in our lifetime we could see that change, though. That'd be really wonderful. Um, and then the next thing I thought of was to, and it's very obvious, um, but to keep challenging ourselves in the system that we're in that normalizes the canon, which then excludes women. Um, and we've, I mean, we've talked about it the entire podcast pretty much. Um, and I actually, I, <laughs> I have two points underneath this point where I said abolish. And then I also wrote has to start from the beginning, which then makes me think of, um, my mom's podcast that we did of how she tries to include because her students are young kindergartners yeah. to fifth graders. And if it starts at a younger age, cause like it did not, I don't, it did not start at a younger age for me. And that could have just been the time it could have been like, um, what was happening in the world. Like we weren't at this place that we are right now with questioning the system, the institution, the university, excuse me, whatever word you want to exchange in there. Um, but I think this has to continue. Like it can't stop. Like we can't, you know what I mean? Like it, we can't just be like, okay, questioning it and then not doing anything about it Yeah. or having some, some kind of pause or getting stuck, I think in, in the evolution. I don't know if that's the right word. Um, but yeah, that was very confusing what I just said, but, <laughs> um, that was my thought. And I actually have a closing question. Okay. So Ooh. I know that obviously we're very pro abolishing the canon, right? Um, but do you think currently female composers and musicians are included in the canon? Or do you think that these women are also in danger of being erased like their predecessors due to some of the, the factors and or society factors um, that we've talked about? You mean like female composers who are alive like making music yeah right like now. current like jennifer higdon caroline shaw like current I people they, they have a better chance i think they do too it's a been i think it's a bigger societal thing too like women are you know we can like vote and go to college and stuff so yeah and i know <laughs> that like i know that i said like i'm asking if if they are going to be included in the canon even though I've we keep saying like we're pro abolishing it, but let's face it, it's still lingering right now. The canon, yeah. I think it's going to take a really long time before we're ever at a place that it doesn't exist. I think they will be, yeah, but I don't know like how big of a part they will play amongst people. Like, like of course I think of Joan Tower as super significant, oh, yeah. but like people are probably thinking more about Philip Glass, you know? Oh, totally depending on like how do they fit into the art movements and stuff but also if we keep studying the canon the same way how will students ever get this far like we barely <laughs> cracked Shostakovich in my other undergrad music history classes wow. <laughs> so how will they ever get to like 2020 you know when they're starting back in 1500 that's so true history is getting much some bigger of History is getting much bigger the farther we, the farther things go. That's very true. Yeah. Wow, that's kind of wild. I didn't think about that. 
Yeah, like, can we not? <laughs> Ew, that's disgusting. <laughs> yeah, I think actually I was thinking about your question and I actually don't know. I don't think there are women on the canon. Maybe your question is related to the US canon because before coming here, I mm. don't think I actually probably heard about Philip Glass, but I never studied or not, didn't know who like who like I knew it was composer, but I feel that there is a U.S. canon that is a lot familiar for Americans, but I don't think women and the like bigger canon are included. But since it's not something that we, I mean we the three of us are looking for, maybe it's not something that we have to worry about because those women that are already established. I, I believe that they're going to keep with the with the status they already have mm. and they're going to influence other women to also come uh, across these barriers. Like we have been seeing, there's a lot more women composers like this decade and last decade. Yeah. So I think, I think this is something that's going to keep going, but not in the sense of getting in the canon. I do agree with you, Habeka, but I will say, I think for the canon to ever be abolished or for it to not exist, it has to get bigger until it includes everyone. Like, oh, it keeps having how, to... That's how you see the canon being ab abolished. I see it that it... I don't know. It's something I actually thought about, and I think it's why I'm asking the question, because I think right now it's at a turning point where potentially maybe more people, I think it's not just going to disappear overnight. I think it has to be at some point where it's going to, it should, I don't know how to word this. It should include more people or more composers. Yeah. It'll be abolished by inclusion. What Aaron just said like in ooh, the chat. so many people will be included that yeah that it would just anymore. it's not a canon anymore that's how i that's how i feel it will it'll ever go away okay that's so interesting i never thought about that before no, me either i honestly i after maybe the composers from the beginning of last century i don't think there was any other addition to the canon and the perspective of my of my education so far mm. so i feel that there is already this huge gap of a lot of years that there is there hasn't been any addition but i believe that the canon now that i think of how we would end i believe that there is a possibility of ending by just not being mentioned anymore until it just becomes that's another possibility i mean i, I definitely like to me that's another possibility until, as well until it becomes something that people are going to study oh yeah on the 2000s they had something they called they called canon and they used that to study and it's something that is like history that people probably wouldn't even like use anymore it's not a tool mm. anymore i feel that this might be one of the possibilities too but also with the perspective of like different countries i think it's so related to the culture and yeah this is I, my now that we're talking about it i see how the canon is so different here from what it is in the, in brazil and um 
the idea of the composers are also very different. So maybe we're, we're seeing some changes here, but in other places of the world, there is not change or there's already a lot different changes. You answered this my topic, next, you answered my next question. I had another question of asking you about the difference or whether you think is the canon more inclusive in, I shouldn't say inclusive, but is it, is it different in Brazil? Because we never hear about any other, I mean, I only know the Western canon or United States canon. Yeah, it's, I would say that it's totally different. We study a lot more Europe and there is until a certain point we don't study US like at all. Hmm. So a lot of the composers that we were talking about, I really haven't never listened before. Hmm. Um, I mean, their songs, I knew uh, like by hearing like the name. So yes, I believe it's completely different. I again, I believe it's also related to how each professor takes it personally and their in interests. For example, yeah. my professor, women professor that well, has um, textbooks, she um, is a, also Schenker analysis professor. So oh, wow. I had their uh, her perspective on that which i think was totally different from the perspective that i had here mm -hmm. so i think that is also related to how each professor takes the textbook and shows and teaches the students uh, what the professor's interest is does does the canon that you experienced in in school um in brazil does would you say it's the same of like male dominated that it is here or is it more inclusive with with females oh no it's definitely the same but okay. i would say the only difference is that we stop it adding new composers in the last century oh we, so there's been the like a plateau yeah and mm. i wouldn't say that we added national composers to Okay. Arcanon, like U.S. has national, no, American composers to the U.S. canon. I wouldn't say that we added Brazilian canons. But again, who am I? I'm just a violinist that <laughs> took <laughs> undergrad and graduate. Uh, so, yes. Yeah, this is very I'm not the best much based this question. But I also think that for me, too, I feel like a lot of this is very much anecdotal of what my experience has been um through school mm. but that that's all i have you guys <laughs> that's so nice i'm yeah. really happy with how the conversation was it's yeah, it was so interesting was, it brought me a lot of ideas and different thoughts yeah yeah i was i'm really yeah i think this is great i'm gonna be thinking about this for the next like week probably <laughs> like just and I have been actually for the past few days. It's just like I'm driving and I'm like, oh, the cannon. And I'm just so angry. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, let's just do our, I guess, our ratings for the week. It's We've been talking for a while. Our tuning. Yeah, our tuning. How have y'all been? Oh, I think so. Oh. <laughs> Go ahead. We had just a long pause. Well, <laughs> um, I'm all right um yeah i mean i've basically just been researching for the past week which has been actually very interesting it's a topic that i'm 
I've really loved. I mean, I'm very, I feel like I'm very passionate about it. Um, besides that, yeah, I mean, school is over pretty much. This is my only like final that I have to do. So mm-hmm. our listeners, you just heard it. Hope you enjoyed. Um, <laughs> I'm going to give myself, I don't know, seven out of 10. It's just fine. We graduate next week. That's exciting. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's really exciting. I just got my cap and gown and yes, it's going to be my first U.S. ceremony. So I'm really excited. <laughs> we can do what so they do in the movies and throw our caps in the caps oh in the God. air. <laughs> so, yes, literally. I, it's something that I've only seen in the movies. Um, well, I would say that my week was pretty much like yours. A lot of research since my recital is over. I haven't uh, played that much. Thank either. God, because yeah. you're killing me. <laughs> we need a we need a physical and mental break, yeah. I think. Yeah, and also because now I just have so many other papers to finish. Mm-hmm. I still have three papers to finish. Oh, so my gosh, what? a little bit of work. I I have to really plan my time. Otherwise, I don't think I will be able to finish. But mm-hmm. in the middle of all of that, my room is a war zone. There's <laughs> so much going on here. Because I am moving out and I'm um, packing some stuff, selling other stuff. So it's really interesting. Yeah. <laughs> I organized this this re- rectangle that you can see. It's perfect. It looks great from here. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I would give my week uh, 7 out of 10 too. Love. Yeah, I'll... Um... I don't know if I can give it like a number, more of like a cloud over ten. <laughs> okay, that's fine. I love that. Daisy blob over ten on a nice. shirt. Cannot, I love a visual rating. Cannot we should compute. do visual ratings from now on. Yeah, I love that. <laughs> cannot compute. Cannot load answer. <laughs> I've been doing a lot of research too, which has been really nice because it's all about my boy Shasti. You love him. I love him. We all love him. I, I love how you say that, my boy Shasti. <laughs> I've made it a quite a religious experience to read about. <laughs> literally, just I'm really excited actually to share what I've learned about just one one symphony in one country. I, of course, I've, I got wrapped up in Shostakovich on accident, but <laughs> there's so much so much so i've been really it's a, an intriguing subject i can't say it's hard to say i enjoy learning about it because a lot of it's very dark mm-hmm. but it's been i think helping me get through the week of changes <laughs> nice because my land i don't know if i told you guys about my landlord also gave me kind of a hard time about getting a cat as an essential or emotional support animal what yeah. Which was rude because, of course, probably a lot of people try to put in, like, the fake emotional support animal documents. But, like, I I understand, like, screening, but, of course, like, it's real to me and it actually made me really upset. Um, Mm. But I sent in all the documents. He legally cannot say no. Like, literally, legally, he can't. It's So it's a non-issue. So it's a non-issue, but... So I will be getting a cat soon. Yeah, that's so exciting! I want to. I yeah, I want. I want to see it. Hopefully, yeah. before I go. 
otherwise yeah things are just changing yeah you'll see it before you go for sure okay good. things are just changing so much that it's hard to determine anything like for all i mean we're all now going into no school for the first time forever i think so weird which is That's very so i didn't think about that before i've never not been in school me too yeah it'll be great wow. so i think i'm feeling that transition and it's like oh what like, strange excuse yeah. me what's going on <laughs> but yeah so oh. blur over 10 yeah love the cloud well i guess that brings us to the end oh wait Rebecca, <laughs> do you have a portuguese word of the day i completely skipped over She's it it's like no <laughs> like no i don't <laughs> i completely forgot to <laughs> oh i can it. say that it is wait can Boy. i can i can yeah. i ask one do you have a word for graduation <gasps> Yes. Okay, that's really easy. I love how I asked if you do. Of course, you have a word for graduation. <laughs> but sometimes maybe there is not. That is true. You're right. You're right. So this is the word I want you to guys to try to pronunciate that. Graduation. Graduation. That was really close. Oh, darn Graduation. Shoot, no. Yeah, really close. So it is graduation. Oh, so the D is a hard D. Grad, graduation. Yeah, and the the emphasis is on the last syllables. So graduation. Graduation. Yeah. That's stunning. Oh, <laughs> love that. Okay. Well, I guess this brings us to the end of the pod. Our first episode of the Symphony series from Music 693S <laughs> with Mariana Ritchie. Um, <laughs> she's not here, but she's our professor. Um, but yeah, who's next week? Do we know who's going to? Well, I mean, we both have to. Yeah, I I mean, you, our listeners are going to have to come back to discover. Yeah, and, um, it's either going to be Aaron or Rebecca. You'll just have to wait and see for next Saturday. Yeah. Um, but as always, thanks for listening. Our uh, episodes go up each Saturday at 7 a.m. You can find us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Overcast, etc. And this has been Out of Tune. Yeah. We're still on Zoom. <laughs> Bye. Bye.